I'm Tor, and I'm here to share secrets. Today, I'm sharing secrets with RAC, a Grammy-winning musician who's also doing a lot of the coolest stuff in Web3 right now as an artist. He's also uh, an active DeFi farmer, but that's not the focus of our conversation primarily. Today, we're definitely focusing on art in the blockchain space, what he's learned, what secrets he's learned being an artist and producer in the blockchain space, how blockchain and platforms based on blockchain can be disruptive to the Web2 music industry model. We're going to talk a little bit about what Web2 music and the legacy music industry has gotten completely wrong about the value of art or the value of the connection between artist and consumer. And along the way, I think we're going to come up with a few interesting answers for how we can move forward, keep experimenting and build stuff that works better for both the people who are creating this awesome art and the people who love to consume it and love to be a part of the artist's mission. So as a musician myself, this was a super, super fun conversation to have. I hope it's really insightful for you as well. So without any further introduction, here's my conversation with RAC. RAC, thank you, man, for agreeing to share some secrets with me. I am pumped for this conversation. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. Question number one. Uh, this is usually where I start. Who are you? Because you do a ton <laughs> of stuff. And I, I guess the best way maybe to answer it for you would be like, I meet you at a party. How are you introducing yourself to me? Uh, you know, it's interesting because I, I typically refer to myself as a musician, but I feel like I do a lot of other things that are sort of in that world. But I, uh, yeah, it's like, um, it's funny cause I, I, I have a story about like, uh, I went to my dentist and, uh, he's like, he's like, what do you do? I was like, I'm a musician. He's like, Oh, that's cool. So what do you do for work? You know? <laughs> and, and he, and it's like, haha, that's funny. He's like, and he actually told me, which I thought was really funny. He's like, uh, you should try out for America's got talent. <laughs> it's like, ha, nice. thank you. Uh, if you only knew, um, <laughs> you know, so I, I try to downplay it a little bit, but, um, I, I definitely run into that a lot. So I, you know, to actually answer your question, I'm, uh, I'm, I am a musician. I, but I'm, uh, I guess an artist. I, I do a lot of different things in music. I have this project called RAC, which I treat more as like a, an umbrella for like a variety of different interests. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like to create things, I guess, but mostly in music. I think that's fair to say. That's really cool. Well, it's good to see that you've put your dentistry career on hold <laughs> for just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, clearly you, you've had a lot of success in the music industry to date, but, you know, that's that's kind of the legacy music world validating certain aspects of your artistic journey. Now you're kind of opening up an entirely new journey into the blockchain space. And I know that you, you know, do a little DeFi farming and things like mm -hmm. that. And I, I've talked plenty about DeFi on this podcast. What I'm mostly interested about since I have you here is this unique perspective that you are bringing as an artist, as a musician, navigating this new weird segment of the digital world. So I want to start with a question very on brand for this podcast. <laughs> What's a secret that you've learned about the blockchain space that you think more artists who are looking to make their way in this space deserve to know or need to know if they're going to find any degree of success? Um, yeah, well, I, I think... 
I th- I, 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 maybe this isn't so much. Well, I guess it, I guess it'd be called a secret. But I, I feel like uh, showing uh, like a very basic understanding of how this stuff works, I think, has been really important. And it's been something that I, I just nat- naturally gravitated towards. And once people recognize that I actually could speak their language, I think people were more willing to embrace what I was doing because I wasn't just like, uh, there's a lot of opportunistic people in the music industry where they're like, oh, blockchain's hot right now. Let me do a token, you know? And we saw a lot of that in 2017. So I I think uh, maybe some of the success that I've had in, in this kind of space comes from like me understanding it and being able to speak the language and, 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 and yeah, like being right in the, in there in the trenches with, uh, with, uh, and you in the, in the farms, you know, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, you know, trying, trying to get the best harvest. But, uh, no, I, I think maybe that's, a, that's one, one side of it, but there, there is one thing that, um, this is something that I personally run into a lot with like trying to explain this to other musicians. They're like, Oh yeah. So you dropped like another currency. I'm like, no, it's, it's like, it's not, it's, you know, a, a currency is just one aspect of this. This is so far reaching, you know, it's, this is uh, adding a, another layer to the internet, the layer of value exchange. And, and it's, that's so powerful. And, and to just dismiss it as a currency is like so short-sighted, you know? So like, I, I really, I actually cringe when people call it cryptocurrencies, you know, it's like, it's like, no, that's just one thing, you know, it's like Bitcoin technology, you know, <laughs> it's like, come on guys. Like I, I thought we're past this. Like the, this is so much more interesting than that. Um, and, and, you know, whether that's a token or whether that's just like, uh, like a metadata layer or whatever it ends up being, this is so, it, this is like, I, I try to portray it as like shared infrastructure. Like think about, think about like a music industry that could exist where no single party controls all of it. Open source, you know, like it, that to me is a dream scenario. You know, that to me solves so many problems that we currently have in the music industry. So that's how I try to portray it. And I feel like a lot of people still have this, you know, 2017 ICO version of it in their minds. And we've come so far from that. And and uh, so I guess it's it's not so much a secret. It's more like, come on, guys, like snap out of it. Like this is so much cooler than what you, what you think it is, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you don't understand that, it, it does feel like a secret. And it, and it takes people, I think, some time to wrap their heads around it. And I, I think it's a very different challenge for artists than it is for maybe technologists or people who work at large enterprises like i think artists actually very quickly grasp some of the core value propositions of the the blockchain space especially as you're saying around breaking down silos or disrupting centralized structures and middlemen Mm -hmm. that hold back the growth of you know artistic communities or creative communities like i'm sure artists grasp that very quickly and where it gets complicated i guess for them is if you just look at the fact that the technology is not very accessible, it's very bleeding edge, and then a lot of the UX that's been created is very nascent, very difficult to engage with. So when you talk to artists who are entering the space for the first time and they go hands-on with some of the products that you think are like more geared toward artists or platforms that are more geared towards artists, are they saying things like like immediately like wow this is so cool or is there a huge learning curve for them just in trying to get ramped up and understand what's possible 
Uh, it, I think it's a spectrum. So there's, uh, you know, okay, so like ba back in 2017 when I, when I did some work with Ujo, which is like mm. part of Consensus, uh, so. I mean, we, we, uh, we hit, uh, like, I think we, we had a document that was like 36 steps to get Ether into MetaMask, you know, it's like, come mm -hmm. on, <laughs> like, like, this is, uh, like, people talk about like one, like a sign up being a barrier to entry. Now imagine like that, you know, to, to, to sign up to a platform that is marginally more fair than, than Bandcamp, you know, it, it's, it, right. it's kind of a tough sell, uh, even if the technology, even if the underlying technology is like, this is the coolest thing ever, guys, like this is, I swear, I swear, guys, uh, you know, the, it, the, that was a real UX problem. But then, you know, fast forward a couple of years, Audius, I feel like you could go on Audius right now and not even realize it's built on it. Um, and I, I think that's pretty cool. I think we've come a long way. So like when, when I show them Audius, it's like, oh, cool. It's just like SoundCloud or, or like another platform, you know, and, and, you know, that's just sort of a starting point. Right. Um, so uh, I, I, I'm actually quite optimistic about it. So it's like uh, I think when, when we're talking about like different maybe the DeFi stuff, you know, if you if you pull up Curve or whatever and it's like, yeah, deposit your tokens in, in, in Curve and, <laughs> and then you're an LP and then and you get LP fees plus Curve fees. But then you got to deposit in the Dow and like yep. and <laughs> you got to claim your token. It's like that's you lose them there. But then then again, that's a completely different side of it things you know like that's that's the DeFi side so that's sort of what i mean by I, I think of it as a spectrum it's like obviously that has a whole nother layer of complexity you have to understand some of the financial concepts as well but on the, on the music side i think that w w there's been a lot of effort into putting you know to, to making like sort of consumer grade you know uh uis mm -hmm. or user experience out in the world and because we saw like how 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 much that hurt us in 2017. Uh, so, so like, I, I, that, that's sort of been like, uh, I guess my, my interaction with other artists, it's like, okay, now, now we have sort of a platform to rally around, I guess. That's good. I mean, that's definitely a progression, as you said, from, from where we were a few years ago. And if, if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly, you know, we've gotten to the point where, the the ux for people trying to pick up these products either as creators or consumers that's improving um but but it's improving to the point where it's like we're trying to get that to parity with existing <laughs> platforms we want it to feel like a soundcloud feel like a spotify whereas the business models and some of the financial incentives that are being created or having consumers also being owners of the platform <laughs> that's where we're really trying to differentiate so let's talk for a second about some of the emerging business models for artists specifically in the blockchain space. And how do these models compare, I, I would assume primarily favorably in some ways, to, <laughs> yeah. to, to what we're already seeing as a business model for artists on YouTube or Spotify or more centralized platforms? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Like w w when I get into the, like the problems of the music industry, like I could sit here for four hours. Yeah. And not, this is, this is a scratch. 40 minute podcast, not yeah, a, <laughs> like audiobook. But, but, but let, let me, let me just say that, um, the vast majority of the platforms used a fixed fee model or, or an ad based model and is fundamentally broken. Does not work. Doesn't make any sense. Um, it is complete. It just doesn't work. Uh, I, I don't know a single artist, uh, like 
I know a lot of artists. I don't know a single artist that is happy with Spotify, you know, on the artist side. So what does that say? You know, I, I think what, to me that says, uh, yes, as a consumer, it's an amazing product. It's fantastic. You get uh, like all like all that music for, for a fixed amount per month or for free. And that's a great experience that I don't think anybody's knocking that. But uh, on the artist side, it's just not adding up. So I guess my point is, um, and I mean, I'm not even talking about YouTube, which has, I think, 50% of the consumption, 6% of the revenue. So how does that add up? <laughs> uh, again, the ad model just doesn't work. Um, so anyway, but like, hopefully I'm just painting a loose picture of like this broken industry. So, so my point here is that this is so ripe for disruption. I mean, it's just, it's just waiting. It's just like, it's just a matter of time. It's sort of inevitable. I don't know. Maybe I have this blind faith in it, but it's like, it's just, it's so ready. We're so ready to move on. Uh, you know, and, uh, uh, a lot of these people, I, I think, um, kind of undervalue the, the power of like artists pushing their fans to a new platform. So I, I think it's going to happen, but okay. To, to, to answer your question about like, you know, projects on, on, the, on the blockchain specifically, I, I'm just going to sort of focus on audience because I think that's probably the most relevant one to, that I can speak about. Go for it. Um, they, uh, as of now, they don't actually don't monetization is like coming like <laughs> soon, you know, trademarked soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> Um, but the, the, they have a, a couple of differentiating factors, which is that, uh, first of all, for the first time in music history, music industry history, we will, artists will be able to set their own rates and be able to change, uh, you know, sort of determine how, how their music is monetized. This has never been happened. This has never, never had that option before. We've never been able to charge whatever we want. I mean, maybe to, to some extent, like we could sell like an album for X amount, but like that's right. just like kind of one model. But this is like you can set streaming rates, for example. Um, I think that is super powerful. Um, I, I, I uh, but you know, also th throughout you know this past, I don't know, maybe fifty years or whatever, artists have never had any kind of ownership in the platforms themselves. So, you know, artists don't get ownership in the label. They don't get, um, you know, I mean, maybe sometimes they start their own labels and then they get ownership, but, right. but the, you don't like, you don't get equity in the label that you're, you know, that you're, or, or in the platform that you're using, like, that's just unheard of. Right. So e even stuff like title, um, you know, which is sort of heralded as, as like the artist's answer was, is really not, I mean, if you look at the ownership, it's, it's really not. It's an answer for Jay-Z. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It worked out for them um, to some extent. Uh, I don't know if it's profitable, actually. But um, <laughs> but th this idea of of sort of like a music co-op to some extent or like where you have like uh, like a SoundCloud where where the artist gets to own the platform, I think is incredible and super powerful. And I, I think like if it if it's even just like on parity with like current platforms, mm -hmm. like, why why would they be pushing the other why would they be pushing a soundcloud link where you don't get anything or where you or you get a very small amount or even spotify like yeah it's convenient but like it's so little amount of money you know um it, it's so i think the artists will naturally start to push these other links to these other platforms and start to build audiences on these platforms that they own right and get to participate i mean it's just it's just natural right and um, and all those sort of payment middlemen, the distributors, all of that is cut out. So it's it's just a much more fair system. And 
I, uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's idealistic, but I just really believe that that if you set those parameters up correctly, that naturally people will gravitate towards it, and at some point we'll have a tipping point. You know, um, will it happen overnight? Probably not, but it'll certainly make a dent. You know. Well, you're making me think about something else. Like if you if you think about a platform like Audius, you're describing a multi-sided marketplace. And we're mm-hmm. already talking about the value for creators on these platforms, being able to own the platform, have more control by setting streaming rates or, you know, being able to gate content depending on like, you know, who subscribes to what mm-hmm. uh, and, and having that very direct connection with the fan, with the consumer of the content. So let's also talk about the incentives for consumers, because as much as it's great to have the artists owning these platforms, it's also like many artists are also consumers of art, I would Mm -hmm. say all. Uh, And it's interesting to see now models that not only incentivize creators to come to these platforms, but can directly incentivize, you know, consumers of art or music to be discovering new art, new music on these platforms, to be curating music on these platforms. Mm -hmm to be promoting this music on these platforms like a fan that's directly incentivized to be a fan not only by the artist you know through whatever incentive the artist wants to give to a core group of fans but by the platform itself by like doing services for the platform like creation you receive a share of of that platform in essence with with via a governance token or some other means so like let's talk about this other half of the equation do you think that there's interesting models emerging not only for artists but consumers of art that make platforms like audius really compelling as destinations in themselves even more so than yeah. spotify oh 100 percent. well you know if you think about it the, the current model is like the users and the artists are the are the are, are sort of the the product you know like we're, we're going to use them mine their data and then the the owners of of the endeavor mm-hmm. uh, get to keep all the profit. Uh, well, in, in many cases, none. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but you know, so so like this is sort of sharing it with all those users. Okay, so like th- think think about what we've seen this summer in DeFi. If if a decentralized exchange can have stickiness around ownership in a token like a Uniswap or whatever. If people get excited about a decentralized exchange, right. imagine the excitement with with like a cultural, you know, element. Like uh, I feel like that's far more. Like if we're talking about community, you know, that's far stickier to me. Uh, where people are like they're already fans of the art and like now they're a part of it and they own it. Um, I think that has that that's way more powerful. Like I, if people can get rally around like a, a decentralized finance application, like yeah. can you imagine? You know, like something that's related to art. That that to me is. Um, Where's the line? Yeah. So so that to me is like the, really encouraging, and it's part of the reason why I, I've sort of been exploring more of this stuff because it's like now the the equity is often just forgotten because we're not used to it. Like art, mm-hmm. artists never expect it; they don't think about it. Um, like, you know, for example, like even platforms like Patreon, which are pretty artist friendly, um, you know, they're still owned by VCs. It's like, why don't the artists own Patreon? You know, you know, for example, or like, like, uh, you know, other types of platforms like that, you know, why, why, why don't you include you, your constituents in, in, in the ownership of the platform? It just, it's just kind of makes sense to me. Um, and, and I, I think, uh, I, I think that's, that's really powerful. And, but to, to your point about the users, um, yeah, I mean, the users, if they if they own 
a, a portion of it, of course, they're going to be promoting that. Uh, and, and, you know, the, and there's ways to incentivize it, for example, like with, um, if you're a curator, you know, let's, let's, uh, outsource that to the users. Um, you know, to some extent that happens with, with Spotify, like where anybody can create a playlist, but you don't get any kind of benefit from it. You know, you don't, you don't earn a token or nothing happens. So I, I could, I would love to see a situation where like, you know, again, because the, the, the financial primitives of, of audios are flexible and modular. So you can set a, a parameter, for example, like where you could allocate X amount to curators, to people that make playlists. So, I mean, think about like, if, if I was incentivized to put, um, this song on a playlist, I might be more inclined to do so. Uh, and, uh, I, in, 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 you know, as a playlist curator, I could benefit from that. Like imagine people getting paid to make playlists. We'd get some pretty cool playlists, I think. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, you can, you can come up with, as you're saying, it's modular. You, you can kind of come up with any sort of incentive structure that you want, whether it's like on a per play basis or on a per share basis. I mean, I, I think what we're talking about is just the massive potential for experimentation, Mm-hmm. that now exists on these platforms where, where it's also composable. And some of these assets, uh, you know, they're not just inherent to the platform itself. They, they move between platforms. You could build a platform that's a companion to Audius that utilizes a lot of the same underlying assets because it's all mm-hmm. part of the same interoperable universe. Absolutely. It's, it's you know, it's fully open source. So um, they have, like, a pretty robust API and all that. So like you, you could technically build a different platform using audience, uh, you know, um, so which, which I think is pretty awesome. Um, and, uh, like, you know, I, I'd like to see, and this is sort of maybe more of a, a long-term vision, but, um, I, I could see audience and ending up being sort of, I mean, they, I think they even describe it as sort of like a platform for audio where, uh, it sort of just ends up being a protocol and a base layer and all these other applications are built on top of it, you know, um, with, with all of the licensing and all that fun stuff, like built into the protocol level, uh, that to me is pretty interesting. So you could, you could essentially like fork a different UI and just like create, create your own SoundCloud two or whatever. You know what that makes me think that. of? <laughs> that makes me think of Winamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's bring back Winamp 2.9. Yeah. Blockchain, um, bring making Winamp great again. <laughs> what was the the it it really whips the llama's ass or whatever? Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we just need those kind of catchy phrases. Yeah. Well, well, let me let me ask you something then. So we're talking about stuff that makes that makes all of this blockchain stuff sustainable as a home for artists who who kind of want to make a living. Um, and, and talking about how making this living maybe becomes more sustainable by doing it in a more like open source ecosystem, direct consumer ecosystem. Let's talk about some stuff that feels more like crazy experiments. So what are some of the experiments that, that feel like experiments to you? Like, you don't know if it's going to work. What's, what's an experiment, <laughs> what's an experiment you've been doing with your creative work in the blockchain space and how has it been received? Um, well, I guess the, the, maybe the more obvious example, um, I, I, again, in hindsight, it was like a very successful example, but I didn't know how this is going to go. But I, I released uh, this NFT, this uh, audio visual NFT that I collaborated with with this guy, Andres Reisinger. Um, he did my album art. So it was like a natural kind of collaboration. 
and we released this sort of 30 second, um, you know, NFT mm-hmm. where I, I wrote some music specifically for it and he, he made some visuals specifically for it. And we kind of, it's, it's going to be a series and we released it on this platform called super rare. Um, and it actually broke the record for the highest price on, uh, on super rare. And, uh, it, it was, it, it, uh, it actually, um, yeah, like there was like a, a bit of a bidding war and it's it sold for $26,000 or oh, 70 crap. ETH. So it was kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I didn't realize that I had a, a, a future in, uh, you know, maybe the closest analog is some form of fine art, you know, mm. but <laughs> of, cause it's a, it's a one of one edition. So like only one person can own it. Um, so like that was like, okay, like maybe let me back up a second. So, this, this all goes back to pricing and, right. uh, you know, with Spotify sp- specifically, they have what's effectively a fixed price, uh, per stream and they claim it's a market, but it's, it's subsidized by this free market that doesn't make this, this like ad based model that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in, in my view and, uh, so, so, so you get, you know, 0.0, whatever it is, it, it, it's like, we have to measure it in millions to actually be meaningful. So about a million plays is about 4,500 bucks. Um, and that's, that's raw. That's pre-distribution, pre-label, you know, that's just, that's the check that the distributor gets, uh, you know, um, you know, for, 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 for those plays. So you have to literally reach like a million people just to make 4,500 bucks. Um, so, you know, th- th- think about the value that those people are getting, you know, that that's a million people that got, I think a fair amount of value and you got about 4,500 for it. Um, and, and to me, like the pricing is so out of whack that it feels like we're pricing it as if it's supposed to reach 6 billion people, you know? Um, and, and, and that to me, and it always fails because no song is going to, I mean, like what song has 6 billion plays? You know what I mean? Um, Uh, I should go, I should go check that. I, I don't know where Gangnam Style is. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's anywhere close to that, and nah. so it's it's sort of like I mean, this is an extreme example. Um, you know, I I think it's more just to, to kind of paint the picture of like, like if if you do the math, um, like I, I think it ends up, I, I did the math like a couple of weeks ago, I think it ends up being something like, uh, it's like if the average person listens to twenty six hours of music a week you end up paying about $3 a year for music. Um, that's the current rate that we're dealing with. So for me, that's a complete mispricing of music. That, does, that doesn't feel fair. So I, 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 my, my argument that I've been trying to make is I, I think the music industry is so bad at their job, like so bad that they're just so terrible at making money that they've mispriced this so completely out of whack that 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 um they're making enough money where it doesn't there's no incentive to change but they could be making so much more <laughs> you know and in 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 this sort of like we're, we have this illusion of a free market where the artists just aren't making enough and right. um so so i guess my, my, my point is uh just the, the the pricing doesn't make any sense. So we don't we have again we we have an illusion of a free market, but we don't actually have a free market. We have sort of this, um, 
this sort of centrally controlled, basically, pricing model that is, is binary. It's opt-in or opt-out. And um, it's like, what are your choices? You know, like yeah. you, you're going to go where the users are or you don't. And and, and I, so that that's sort of what excites me about this play, this this experimentation and to kind of tie it back to the NFTs. It's like, to me, the fact that this 30-second song and video sold for $26,000 is proof that that – that music is mispriced, and and um, and that's just one example. You know, there's there's yeah. a million others, uh, and and I think this this dynamic pricing model, or or this uh, you know with Audius, you know, creating sort of financial primitives of of different types of pricing models that you can you know that are modular. You can plug in and for different songs. Maybe you have like your big songs are free, but then people, then the other ones are, are, are a little more expensive, you know, right. something like that. The, the, like we just don't have that kind of experimentation. We don't have that kinds of, we don't have that kind of options right now. So I, you know, I'm, I'm really stoked to just see where this goes. And um, yeah, man, I can tell, I can, I can tell when you get worked up about some of like the awesome <laughs> experimental ideas. Let me put on my economist hat for a second. Cause yeah. I'll, I'll try to answer at least from my perspective, like how did we get to this mispriced market? And I think what it comes down to is we've started pricing things based on the marginal cost of reproduction mm -hmm. instead of like the actual cost of the original production or pricing it anywhere near where the, where the consumer actually values the content. So there's two things that you've been fixing here. One is that if you're if you're creating an NFT, a non-fungible token that represents the art or some combination of works, then you have kind of changed the marginal cost of reproduction. Because even <laughs> if you were to reproduce it, the new item that's been produced does not actually hold the same value. Or maybe it cannot be reproduced uh, b based on however you might structure this NFT, right? Like wh whether there's like yep. some privacy components to it or, or encryption that can protect certain pieces of it from, from being copied. And maybe only certain people have access to this asset. But mm -hmm. then on the other piece of it, the other thing we're fixing is in the music industry now, once something hits a consumer's ear, it's done. That's the end of the process. They have consumed the music. There is no further action to be taken by the fan until they now buy a ticket to the show or buy some merch off the shelf. And with these other platforms, what we're saying is you now own something you've consumed the music and you don't just own the right to listen to it again in the future like you know back to the like 99 cent single on itunes yeah, yeah. you know like you now also own something so much more substantial and now the artist can actually go back and be like for everybody who currently owns this work they can just airdrop some new content to you in the future like you're buying mm -hmm. a lifetime pass to content and maybe you're actually even getting a share of future streams of that content by being an early adopter and now you've got all these models that are everywhere let's say in like the financial industry or mm -hmm. the decentralized financial industry finally it's coming to art something that by its nature is so much more mimetic so much more like transferable from person mm -hmm. to person just because they're excited about engaging with the work not because they're they've got this extrinsic motivation of, of making money on it but i, I think some of these experiments that you've done or that I'm seeing other artists do are starting to poke at that a little bit more. I would, I would love to hear about experiments you've seen other people do in the blockchain space that you're looking at being like, man, I kind of wish I was doing that too. Or, or just where you're <laughs> like super impressed at, at what they've been able to achieve or how the adoption has gone. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, to, to some extent the, uh, like, um, 
I guess the, the NFT was kind of a reaction to seeing like other people doing it, like uh, like J Justin Blau, for example. Uh, he was uh, his his uh, NFTs have also been like super successful, and I, I think he really kind of. I, I think maybe he was one of the first, definitely musicians. I think that that experimented with this, and and uh, I was like, oh, that's that's really interesting, um, and not so much as like, oh, I want to copy it exactly, but it was like, oh, this is like a this this changes that that economic model, and um, no, I, I I've I've been I, I guess like I, I've been getting a lot of inspiration from DeFi to some extent, you know, um, you know, having sort of been <laughs> in, in this space, like tr trying out all, all these kind of yield farming projects. And, and I think what it, when it really comes down to its incentives and, mm. and I think the experimentation around incentives are, are what's fascinating to me because, uh, again, like going back to that thing is like, if people can rally around a decentralized exchange, I mean, like you, you talk, okay, like maybe you and I are like, yeah, that's sick. But like, you talk to anybody else about like, yeah, a decentralized exchange is like, I don't do not care about that. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You know? So, um, like the, the I, I guess like the, these kind of incentive structures around providing liquidity and, um, in, in like participating in governance and, uh, and all these different ideas that are sort of, uh, or like vampire, uh, or what's it called? Vampire mining, whatever Sushi Swap did. Um, uh, yeah. uh, there's a lot of terms that, that get thrown around about this, but, but this, all these different sort of combative, like, <laughs> like financial models to me are, are really fascinating. Not, to, not to say they all apply to me specifically, but I I've been, it, it's, it's not, just in the art world that I'm I'm getting inspiration. So, for example, um, I, I keep talking about Uniswap, but uh, we were actually thinking about the retroactive model uh, as a form of distribution. Yeah. And uh, we, I, 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 I'd, you know, we, we were we were we were thinking about it before, and but it was sort of just like uh, an, uh, it was just like this little thing on the side that we were gonna do, and and then when we saw the reaction to Uniswap, is like. Oh wow! We, like this is something. This is really something very interesting. Um, we should, uh, like, we should lean into it. Basically, so we we definitely like. I mean, not to use the the word pivot, you know, but like we kind of like shifted our attention more to that model, mm -hmm. um, which actually made it feel a lot better uh, than versus like trying to sell a token or anything like that. Cause we didn't sell it. We, we actually, um, we just gave it away to, to like people, like we gave it away to basically, um, by the way, I'm, I'm talking about this token called the RAC token, which is, yeah, the, I, I, I've, I, I, it's essentially like a rewards slash community token. So the, the idea was like, let me give it to basically everybody Basically everybody that I had an email for. So anybody that bought uh, off a of Bandcamp, um, you know, back back to 2009, you know, people that bought like an MP3 in 2009 are getting these tokens. They're like, what oh, the man. hell is this? Um, or like uh, people that bought merch, um, or people that are Patreon subscribers, or yeah. people that are. Uh, we, we tried to emphasize a little more people that, that there was a financial transaction not necessarily because of the financial transaction but because that's sort of representative of their level of interest in the project you know their level of engagement is far superior than somebody that just listens on spotify so we're sort of uh you know trying to give it to them because those are the people 
that that are the most engaged, you know, and um, and you know, there, there's various kind of utility to the token. You get sort of access to Discord and and a, a lot of other things, like exclusive content, you know, things like that. But um, that like, but a lot of it, a lot of the ideas came from the DeFi world, um, not so much like specifically with the art world. Um, and again, it was just sort of applying those concepts of, of, uh, just rewarding people and creating incentives and creating sort of game theory models around, uh, I mean, we weren't that advanced about it, but I, I like to say it that way, uh, <laughs> about, uh, <laughs> about, you know, just getting people engaged to, in, to a, like to a point where the, just other people don't do this kind of thing. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's just more cohesive. Oh, but the, 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 there, there was kind of another thing you talked about, um, about like this social graph or whatever, where, uh, so for example, um, you know, over the years I've, I've built up followings on multiple platforms, even on MySpace, you know, Facebook, uh, all these platforms. And, uh, at, at one point in time, they always, uh, they always like try, they always add a, a monetization where they suddenly, cut you off from accessing that audience that you built. So they're like, Hey, come over here, build, you know, 30,000 followers or hundred thousand or like on SoundCloud, like, you know, like 5 million or whatever. And so you build this massive audience and, and then they're like, actually you have to pay now. Um, and it's like, Oh, great. <laughs> uh, so, so like now I, I built up this entire audience and now you're going to monetize me, you know? So it's like, uh, I'm actually like, I brought the people here, you know? Um, right. so, so th this idea of a token, also kind of plays into that where it's like, I want to create this like layer on top of all this stuff where it's like, it's sort of like the fan, the web three fan club, you know, where, um, it's sort of this layer on, on top of all these platforms that, that can sort of adapt to any future platforms. And, uh, and it's in a way we're sort of getting to use them, you know, while capturing the value, um, on, on the higher level, I guess. This is so fascinating. This where where the social tokens are going because it is just an extension of everything we're already seeing, where the artist owns the relationship now with the fans, mm -hmm. and even it like anything where you can tokenize even the relationship with the fans, not because you want to commodify the relationship, but just because you want to give it this transferability and meaning that perpetuates even as the platforms change, or even if a platform changes its policy, you know that can still happen mm -hmm. in the decentralization space. Platforms can evolve in a way you know, where, where half the community forks it off because they want it to have some different properties, but like at least the token yeah. still persists. It's an interesting remodeling of the universe, which used mm -hmm. to be very platform centric, you know, like, you know, heliocentric is you're putting the platform in the middle and now things are orbiting around the artist or around like the groups of artists who are creating content. Like you, it, it is really just fascinating to me to see how this is going to play out over time because it's completely changing the the map for like who are the actually the entities that you need to be modeling when you're looking at the growth of the space and, and we're seeing it play out on twitter and everywhere else it's not just the decentralization space like mm -hmm. if the atomic unit is going back to being the individual artist and not youtube versus spotify versus apple music but like people really watching to see like where where does taylor take her music or something like that right like, we're already seeing it in the in in the legacy media world i think we're just seeing in the blockchain world a better path for artists to take a trend that's already occurring 
and turn it to their advantage much more directly and give them the flexibility to make that relationship with the fan, the direct relationship they've already been cultivating, make it whatever they want and create value, yeah. not just for the artist, but for the fan as well. It's community specific. Like, um, you know, I, I guess in, in a way we're kind of returning to not, maybe not returning. Cause it's not a perfect example, but like, do you remember in MySpace? like MySpace was like highly customizable. Oh, yeah. Uh, you had uh, like all these different graphics on it. And, um, well I say highly, it was like, you, you could paste some CSS or, uh, yeah, like CSS code in there and like kind of change the layout. But like if you, if you extrapolate that a little bit further, like imagine creating like a web three portal for, for your artists and for your community. Um, and that, and it's specific to the utility of that community. Uh, and it's, it's sort of like the community gets to decide what they want. And, and I think it's kind of cool. And especially if it's, you know, open source and composable, you just pull from different projects and, it's like, oh, Drake's community did this cool player over here. Let's let's fork that over to our project and 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 throw it into our world. And um, again, maybe this isn't for everybody, but like uh, I think for the small subset of core users, it's it's super powerful, and I think it'll be very valuable to them um, and to the community at large. So I, I'm stoked about this. Like th this to me is is the clear future. And and to your point, I totally agree that this is where things are headed. Um, I mean the the sort of uh, this new term that gets thrown around, like the creator economy. You know, the Patreons, the OnlyFans, like the <laughs> the, oh. uh, the these these new models are emerging, but they're still stuck in Web two worlds. Like if, if you apply that to Web three, I mean, game on. You know. Yeah, I I'm super fascinated to see like just the doors fly open and and even more artists come in. Like like you said, like you're drawing a lot of your inspiration currently from what's happening in the Web three space, but there's a lot of innovators in, in in the art world, in the music world, who just haven't walked through the door yet, haven't even mm -hmm. begun to explore the sandbox. And I'm sure they're going to be drawing inspiration from the stuff that you know you've been doing, that Blau's been doing, that everybody has been doing uh, in the early stages, like isn't that cool to kind of feel like you're a trailblazer for people who are trailblazers already in the legacy world <laughs> and now they're going to be following your footsteps it's it's not something that i actively think about but it is cool like it like it, I, I try not to put that kind of pressure on it but it's also like but i there there is a certain amount of responsibility that comes with that and and um and it's something that i sort of am aware of and it, it makes me more accountable and, 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 and I want to make sure I do it right. You know? Uh, so it's, it, I, I'm like, it, the, the way that I do things is like, I'm, I'm always just surprised. Like, why aren't people doing this? You know, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, why aren't more people doing this? Like, do I really have to be the first one to do this? Okay, fine. I'm happy to be sort of the experiment, you know? Um, like, like those are sort of like, the obvious you like you know you know when something is like so obvious that you're like why why the hell aren't people doing this like it's just like okay i'm gonna do it let's see so like even this year i can't tell you how many people how many like different articles and and think pieces about like i've i've commented on or like people ask me for comments it's like so live streaming in covid is like so so ahead of your time it's like are you kidding me? <laughs> like, like this is, this is like so basic, you know, like, um, it's like, I feel like the music industry is so 
uh, I don't know. I would I say that so journalism is not exactly the most forward-thinking industry either. <laughs> so this does not surprise me. <laughs> I guess like, um, like – Why do you think I have a podcast? Do you think I want to yeah. wait for people to like find out about the cool stuff you're doing, like wait for a journalist to understand everything you've done? Like I, I'm kind of taking the same approach in a weird way. It's like I, I yeah. would I would like this kind of insight to go directly to consumer. I, I, I would like people to be able to interact with, with these creators directly and get the questions that they want asked asked and not have to wait for you know some any sort of mainstream publication to get wise to a trend like i, I think right. that the feedback cycles that we see in web3 are so tight and yeah. artists artists crave tight feedback cycles they crave instant feedback and being able to integrate it back into their work and to be able to remix content even their own mm -hmm. content like that 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 is where i get a lot of like my energy and passion in the space for sure yeah and and we're like okay like the 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 bar is so low that ah. it, it it just takes a, just a tiny bit of sustainability like okay like if, if an artist suddenly can build their entire career on web3 i mean they'll just ignore the rest of it like why even bother you know like why bother with spotify when when you can make like a living like a good living doing web3 stuff like the it's it's just it's just getting over that tiny little barrier and and i, I think we're like so close to that um so yeah super exciting times <laughs> please please push us into the abyss well yeah. my man it, it has been a fantastic conversation i think there's so much more to dig up like we said we're, we're not here to fix the music industry we're just kind of here to build a a new one in a in a cooler parallel universe and mm -hmm. I, I i'm sure a lot of people after listening to you talk for the last little bit are really curious where they can go to either hear your stuff or follow some of your thoughts about this go ahead drop some shills where can people some, go track you down plug away please um <laughs> so pretty much i i feel lucky because i i i've managed to secure the rac username on pretty much every platform so Congrats. pick pick your poison um i am usually uh yeah usually just username rac on twitter instagram facebook uh Audius, uh, <laughs> uh, or if you if you want to prefer like a website, rac.fm. Um, yeah, there, there's there's lots. Google is your friend. I'm sure you could find some stuff. Uh, DuckDuckGo is also your friend. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate. I appreciate the, the, I, yeah, the privacy central show. At least a little a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm aware. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, I, it's, it's, I'm pretty easy to find, but um, also very accessible. So tweet at me, whatever. I will I will respond and and uh, and comment on whatever. So yeah, I look forward to any questions. I'm always always happy to to talk about this stuff. Very cool. Well, hopefully you've created a few new fans. Uh, for, for people who at least like the things that you say, hopefully they like the, the music you produce as well. So thank you again for taking all the time to go through this stuff with me. Super fascinating. I hope we get an opportunity to do it again soon. A hundred percent. I would love to. Yes. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like subscribe and make sure to check out all the secret network communities that you can see here, including the secret chat, the secret forum, and of course our Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you the next time we share secrets.